Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel Rumination Thursday on this October the 10th in the year of our Lord 2019. And if you've been listening to this week's broadcast, you will remember that Mark Smith and Wes Reimnitz are on assignment. So, we don't have Wes with us today, and I'm going to be doing something that I don't do very often, but I think the issue is really critical. Last night in kind of central Illinois, I was preaching at a congregation, and I want to share with you what I did with this sermon because I think it's really kind of important. As many of you may know, I begin every sermon with a question, and that question sometimes doesn't give a proper answer. So I began the sermon with this. In the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregations, we have two kinds of teachers of children. We have parochial school teachers, and we have public school teachers. And I said, who here would agree that we should perhaps excommunicate public school teachers? And they kind of laughed, and nobody agreed with that until I kind of put my hand up. And, of course, they were quite interested now in what I was going to say. The text I was using was the gospel reading for that 17th Sunday after Pentecost, last Sunday, Luke 17, verse 1. And Jesus said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. And then he says this, which is also found elsewhere, It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones, referring to children, that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Now, what was the point I was trying to make? Well, it, it just so happened, and by the way, Issues Etc. had a wonderful session on this item, but Illinois, its legislators have really become extremely unbiblical. They are becoming the state where abortion can be done at any time. And, of course, one of the things that's happening uh, near St. Louis in Illinois is the building of a very large abortion clinic so that Planned Parenthood can make more money in the murder of children. But... The other item they did is they passed a law that as of July 1st, 2020, public school teachers are to tell their children that homosexuality is okay and that therefore, from God's point of view, families can be made up of either two men who are married or two women who are married with children, probably adopted in most cases. 
and they have produced booklets where they are to read to the children. For example, one of them has a picture of two ladies uh, holding an adopted child, and the question is to be asked to the children, is this a family? And those children that say, no, it isn't, are to be corrected by the public school teacher. This is the guidelines that they have to follow. Now, pretty soon, I believe that pedophilia under certain cases will be legitimized by certain groups. In fact, it already is. And so if public school teachers are to teach that, as well as gay marriage is okay, what do you do if you have one of those public school teachers in your congregation? This actually happened in my congregation some years ago. I got a call from a hospital saying that one of my members had been admitted because she had been shot. So I rushed to the hospital, uh, came into the room, and sure enough, uh, the bullet had been extracted by then, and she was trying to rest comfortably. So you can imagine I had a little devotion and a prayer that her healing would continue. But I asked her, how did this happen? And she told me, that she was a secretary at an abortion clinic and that a husband had come in really angry that his wife was going to kill the baby within her and he began shooting and she received one of the bullets. On Saturday, that occurred, my visit, and on Monday, I went to the elders And we began excommunication proceedings against this woman. When they agreed to do so, because even working in an abortion clinic is a sin. We then went to the woman and explained to her that excommunication proceedings were about to start. And did she have anything to say? She told me that she had been without a job and this was the only one that she was able to get hired to. And so she was willing to do that and she was only a secretary taking down information from those who were about to have an abortion, their name, their address, some medical information, etc. And she said, I, I really don't like the job but I don't have any other work. So I told her that if we found her a job, would she be willing to leave the abortion clinic and go to another job? And she said, oh, yes. And that's what we did. About a month later, she was out of the hospital. We got her another job. She left the abortion clinic, and the excommunication proceedings were dropped. Because she did repent of what she had done. And she felt, therefore, that it was not appropriate for her to continue to work there. 
it's kind of like if you remember the Nazi concentration camps. There were definitely people who were kind of secretaries taking down the names. The Nazis had a real good history of everyone that they often would put to death. And even though they themselves were not putting anyone to death, they were still working in such a camp, which would be a sin. So, at that congregation I was at for 28 years, we did seven excommunications. A couple of them were because of illegal divorces, etc. Of the seven, four came back into the church. Two of them joined other denominations that permitted the particular sin they were doing. And one of them died, so I don't know if they had come back to faith. I was asked about the one who had died. Is that person is that person going to heaven or hell? And my answer was, I have no idea. Yes, that person was under excommunication when they died, but only God can read hearts. And so even for someone who's under excommunication, you don't know where their heart was, if they were in repentance at the time of what had happened. In fact, I had a another member who divorced his wife because he decided to become a homosexual. And, of course, he wasn't permitted to take the Lord's Supper anymore, and he just kind of left the church. But about five years after that, I got a call from him. He was living in an attic of a home in South St. Louis, and he asked me if I would be willing to come and visit him. And I did. He was really ill. I don't know if he had AIDS or not, but this was the last time I ever saw him. And what he had done, he had lost work. He was in this attic living there. The people were nice enough to let him stay there. And he repented of what he had done and particularly repented of his homosexual activity. I forgave him. You forgave him. It's verse 3 of Luke 17. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. See, that's the task of the church. I'm sure he died soon after I met him. I never heard of him again. But because of that repentance, I also gave him the Lord's Supper in that attic. Because of his repentance and his return to faith. The text is pretty simple. Jesus says, you know, temptations, they're sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. That's really important because this is why adoption clinics, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, and others have had to close down because the laws of the land insist 
that you would also allow the adoption of a child to gay parents, which, of course, would be ridiculous because those gay parents are going to raise that child, causing them to sin by believing that homosexual activity is okay with God. I I don't know what we're going to be able to do about this, but I do believe that hopefully the courts will get involved in this because let's say I was a, um, a teacher in a public school and I was told to tell the students that sexual activity prior to marriage is not a sin. And that was in the workbooks. See, what they have done in Illinois, there is a law that in sexual, when they're doing teaching about sex, parents have the opportunity to take their child out of those classes. But what they've done in Illinois is that they have put this immorality into books on literature, in drawings, artistic classes, and this kind of thing, and that way they get around the rule of even having to let the parents know about it. And they're showing videos to the children about this. Now, about the only good thing that's going to be coming of this is I'm hoping that a lot more parents are going to be wise and start sending their children to proper parochial schools. I know my own congregation, St. Paul's in De Pere, is rebuilding their schools and they're going to have more room for even more students because I think that as this becomes more aware in the minds of parents of what can be taught in public school, what is forced to be taught in public schools, that they will begin to recognize that. They're also pushing transgender. Now, this was a fascinating poll that they I, I heard about. In Britain, in the last five years, the number of children that are now considering themselves to be transgendered has risen by 2,600%. How does that happen? It's, it's kind of obvious how it happens psychologically. A, a teacher who believes in transgender students begins to fawn on those students, begins to kind of congratulate those students who come out as transgendered. And students in grades 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, they can easily be manipulated to begin enjoying that kind of um, reaction on the part of the teachers where they look more favorably on those students than on other students. And obviously... Becoming transgender then is something that they like to think about. And then they decide it. The other thing that's happening is there are hundreds of individuals who became transgendered and now regret it. And especially is that sad when they have done surgery to make them the other gender. 
and they can't reverse it. I mean, you can go to YouTube, you can go to Google, and you'll find a number of them complaining that I I thought this would be the solution to my problems, and I found out it was not. And we're also discovering now that in transgendered situations, families are being broken apart, and there are definite health problems with transgendered students, transgendered individuals, in the same way that you have health problems with gay people. In fact, in transgendered, one of the areas is in heart problems after certain kinds of surgery. So what we're trying to do is really help individuals and families struggle with these satanic temptations for children to suddenly decide, hey, I'm not female, I'm male, or I'm not male, I'm female. And to show them that there are real problems ahead in their life. Now, I'm sure there are some people who are happy with that change. The devil's not stupid. He can keep people from having negative consequences at times. Uh, Take a look in the Old Testament. Even with the negative consequences that Pharaoh had with the plagues, he still chased after the Israelites, having realized how powerful God was. And therefore, what happened? Well, their soldiers were drowned in the waters of the Red Sea. The text of Luke 17 has a very interesting ending about a farmer who has servants. And here's what Jesus says. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, dress properly, serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? Verse 10, Luke 17. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Now, why does Jesus say that? Because if you take credit for what was your duty, then you are not giving God the credit who gave you the ability to do that duty. And so it is a kind of a living under the law when you take credit for what you did, like obey God's commandments. Don't become like the Pharisees and say, boy, God, I'm sure a lot better than that tax collector because look at I'm obeying all the things that you told us to do under the ceremonial laws. That's what Jesus is speaking out against because they're still unworthy servants. We confess that, that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Now, am I suggesting that congregations should start excommunicating their teachers who are teaching 
these items. No, what I'm suggesting is that congregations need to start helping these public school teachers who do not want to teach this and using the court system or other legal ramifications so that teachers are not forced to speak that which they know is a sin and that therefore would cause one of these children to sin. I don't know what the solution is. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not involved in court. But I am a pastor. And I think there's going to be ways, hopefully, because no teacher should be forced to say that abortion is okay. I don't see any lessons anywhere forcing them to do that, then why should they be forced to teach that transgender is okay, gay marriage is okay, or that lifestyle is okay? I think the church needs to be getting involved in these items and to support our public school teachers. I'll tell you, we would excommunicate a parochial school teacher in our church, who says, you know, I've changed my mind. Jesus really isn't God. He, he wasn't born of the Holy Spirit and Mary. It was really the baby of Joseph and Mary. They're, they're actually uh, professors in other denominations that teach this. Well, we would not tolerate that kind of teaching by a parochial school teacher in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And and therefore, excommunication, if they were a member, would be appropriate. So, we're really coming up against Satan's power. The pendulum swings. In other words, what was bad 20 years ago may not be bad today. For example, there was a time when the Supreme Court did not consider Indians or blacks as people with rights. They changed that. And we can only hope that in time the Supreme Court will change their rulings on abortion, gay marriage, and any other immorality that's coming about. In fact, there's some particular cases up there dealing with transgenderism that we're praying that the Supreme Court will stand strong with a traditional understanding of race, sexual orientation, etc. So the churches need to be more aware of what is going on and the conflicts that many of our members are having. What do they do? Take their children out of school? Well, if you're in a public school that's teaching immorality as a part of their curriculum, then I would say yes. There's plenty of uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod parochial schools. Look for one of them because you can be assured that that's not going to be happening there. Yes, we're living in really strange times, but not more violent nor more chaotic than they have been in the past. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that tomorrow on Open Mic Friday. Normally on Open Mic Friday, we just open up for questions. But we're going to do something that we rarely do. 
the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is a very, very liberal newspaper, and they have most of their articles contrary to Christian thinking in the area of morality. But I have to compliment them on two things that they had, and I was surprised about it. And we're going to be starting the Open Mic Friday with my compliments to the Post-Dispatch in this area. You may want to hear some of that. That's tomorrow's Long Gospel. It still will be a time for Open Mic. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.